be okay. Welcome to episode two of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. Tonight, we break down the disastrously timed, very nearly memory-hold 2002 comedy Big Trouble, a film absolutely loaded with so many stars you'll wonder why this is the first time you're hearing about it. From prime of their careers, Tim Allen, Rene Russo, and Stanley Tucci, to Tom Sizemore, Johnny Knoxville, Patrick Warburton, and Janine Garofalo, Omar Epps, Jason Lee, and Andy Richter, to then newcomers Sophia Vergara, DJ Qualls, Ben Foster, and Zoe Deschanel. This thing is positively star-studded, so fire up your garbage disposals, Gator fans, and let us roll out the welcome mat for our first ever guest, my college roommate, Matt Polberg. Welcome, Matt. Yay, Matt. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> That's I, I know I used that joke the first time we recorded this, but I felt like using it again. So, uh, Matt, uh, you are the one who brought us this movie as uh, guests in the future in this podcast. Will do. Um, why? Why is this movie? Why? Why did you? Well, first of all, yeah. Why did you think you liked this movie? And and then we can get into a little bit about what this movie actually is. Okay. Um, I really liked reading Dave Barry columns when I was in high school. Um, it was, you know, probably just about perfectly tuned for my, my stage of life and humor at that point. And uh, I also really liked watching Home Improvement back when it was on TV. And Tim Allen quite hadn't, hadn't quite been sullied yet um, by his sort of like real life persona. Um, you know, and it was like slapstick and it was like witty. It was fast paced. It was like a little punch. Came out right when I was like 18, 19. So sort of checked boxes um, for that. And then it was like a really big cast where I felt like I knew some of the people that were on it, like like Janine Garofalo, and you know felt like those were like little hidden gems in there. But then also like just huge Rene Russo, Stanley Tucci, um, and you know it was like it was like a movie that I saw and it seemed like no one else I knew had seen it so I got to be like the one that sh got to show it to people and that was like a very cool experience where um you know I felt like I had unearthed this hidden gem um and was surfacing it for uh my peers well and you were the one who showed it to me and I uh but it was probably I don't know sophomore year of college probably 2003 but I I definitely I mean we'll get into this in a minute but um uh, it came out in 2002. It was not supposed to come out in 2002. It was supposed to come out roughly mid-September 2001. Um, so let's talk about the plot and we can uh, let our listeners know why it didn't come out in uh, mid-September of 2001. <laughs> yeah, so it, it starts um, with... Uh... This with an author who is loosely based on Dave Barry. The whole movie is based on a fiction work by Dave Barry. But as with a lot of his stuff, there's sort of loose elements of truth or of things that he's encountered um, in in his writing. So, you know, it's very clearly the character is Dave Barry. Um, but then things quickly escalate as um, more sort of you know, there's criminal enterprises get involved. Um, there's a plot for an assassination that he gets sort of mixed up with. And they, uh, you know, the criminals get a bomb and it, uh, take it on a plane. And I think that September 11th um, timing couldn't have been worse for this movie. Uh, and basically they've sunk millions of dollars of marketing and just never let never let it go to the theaters um after after 9-11 so probably would have been not as memory hold um if it would have had a you know decent theatrical run and everyone would have seen it but it's basically like the biggest movie that no one's ever heard of um just due to that timing well right and so uh just to fill some gaps and, and will feel free to, to jump in uh if, if you've got some things here but the movie takes place in miami uh it is uh, very slapstick comedy. Uh, it it involves 
ultimately sort of a haphazard, not really intentional plot, uh, but it involves a, a nuclear bomb that everybody thinks is a garbage disposal that ends up on an airplane and uh, that it, it does not kill everybody. But uh, obviously, this movie was, was intended to come out, like I said, in mid-September of 2001. And all the, all the marketing, as Matt mentioned, kind of ran up to promoting it for that. It was then pulled and actually was released kind of out the back door of the studio on April 5th, 2002. Um, <laughs> its opening weekend, it was a $40 million movie. Its opening weekend gross was $3.5 million. So it really took it in the pants. The cumulative worldwide gross was less than $9 million. Um, and as you, I mean, as I mentioned off the top, and as you said, like it has a ton of stars in it. It was clearly like supposed to be like kind of a big, maybe end of summer kind of blockbuster uh that yeah. never was uh will what what yeah what, what else do we miss in terms of sort of the basics here i i think the basics are there but it is it is your sort of typical barry sonnenfeld movie i mean he had just done not just exactly but adam's family came out in 91 that was huge uh adam's family values came out in 93 also huge he did get shorty in 95 Men in Black, 97, Wild Wild West. Like, he had, like, a huge string of really big hits. And then, you know, no, no pun intended, but dropped this bomb. And it <laughs> probably would have done quite well because it's got the, the huge ensemble cast. Lots of talent there. But, uh, yeah, those pesky yeah, I mean, terrorists. Those, those peak, peak Tim Allen, right? Like I think so, was, yeah. That was before yeah. he sort of fell off and then came back again and yeah and that's yeah, i mean even like, like, was like, post, like post thomas crown like like right i mean that's like like the the main characters are definitely like mid-career like prime uh you know i mean even stanley tucci and then and then you have this sort of like array and and johnny knoxville i mean that was that was like peak jackass like tom sizemore exactly. was in a bunch of big big movies then so he was i think that was before his downfall too speaking of yeah 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 but i mean like a lot of even like the supporting cast and and i mean i mean snatch was right around this time that was that was your sort of you know dennis farina late career <laughs> like revival yeah. blossoming uh yeah i mean it, it, it felt like it felt like really kind of across the board like i mean this was this is the kind of movie where, where you look at a cast like that and you're like how in the world could this not be successful just just given any number of, of factors you know um and it's like a it's like a tight funny script and it's well shot and it's that's there's not a ton of like glaring errors it's not there's some you know sort of jokes that didn't age well but over as a as a whole um i can't see why this i i could see this resonating with audiences in 2001 for sure well, let's let's get into that. Let's talk about some of the stuff that maybe maybe uh, uh, really stands out as like indicative of of the, this time or, or era. You know, we're talking almost twenty years ago, which pains me to say uh, at this point. But but it, what did you guys notice in terms of things that that really kind of stood out as being like extremely two thousand one, two thousand two? A landline is a key plot element. Yeah, that, yeah, I, that I, was... I totally blew my mind when i rewatched it <laughs> yeah the, you literally pulled the line out of the wall yeah um the geo metro for me was like the really big one and then obviously like when the richest guy in the room has a square giant tube tv it's an rca 39 inch horizontal please <laughs> yeah 36 but... inch diagonal and also um just pre-9-11 airport security oh god right right well that was, right. That's... oh remember when you could like go up to the gate and then like buy a ticket and then just get on a plane and then like if any i mean if anything like really defines this is like specifically having been filmed pre-9-11 it's it's the that entire from like Oh, I'll buy four one-way tickets for three hundred and sixty dollars cash with no IDs, just like yeah. dropping this on on the counter, and the woman just like takes extra money, and that entire that, and then of course, right, they just like wave the fatigued airport security just waves through a nuclear bomb. One thing that I did think was really interesting on that aspect, though, is the heavy D Omar Epps 
like FBI characters still having, you know, Executive Order 768-04 um, at the at the ready um, in a pre-Patriot Act, like pre-Department of Homeland Security environment, they're still, they still sort of, you know, they're poking fun at that existence, but, you know, it's not like we didn't have that type of agency running around. Right, but it, but it, right, but to your point, it really didn't exist in that form. I, I literally have my note is Special Executive Order seven six eight dash oh four. Not so far fetched since Patriot Act. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like, like that's, it was a joke. Right, exactly. Joke. Right, right. It's it played as like a, oh, ha ha. The government has this authority, and then like literally the the difference post nine eleven is like oh, no, the government has this authority. <laughs> like, like the like the right person can make whatever call to do whatever they need to do. Yeah. Uh, they specifically said that if they deem it's a national security issue, that they can then do whatever they want. And like, and that's what it is now. Yeah, that, that was hinted at or joked about in the world before. And now it's just a... Yeah. Uh, I noticed a couple other things that very clearly would not, uh, would not live in a movie today in terms of uh, things that were very sort of of the time. Um the the joke that um i'm blanking on the actor's name but he's the the landlord from the big lebowski who plays the uh the second of the two hitmen along with dennis farina uh he you we catch him like mid joke uh as they're as they're waiting outside of the jolly jackal the bar um and the the um punchline of this joke is your face rook ed zachary reich your ass uh which might not be racist, but might <laughs> might be. I don't know. It's it's there's that that whole Ed Zachary sort of lead in. I, it's hard to tell if it's like a like a an accent thing or if it's just like a play on words. Um, and then of course the the reference to uh, the Jaguar that that Stanley Tucci uh, drives that uh, a, a precursor that rhymes with Jag. Uh, yeah. Um, the the the. The Chinese doctor joke, it it probably wouldn't hold. It doesn't hold up really in terms of like something that would probably get away with in a movie today. But at least it was framed as a way to show that this character is like a little off, or like it wasn't. It wasn't like two people made the joke and then us, the audience, like enjoy the joke. It's like we're tell we're watching this guy tell a dumb bad joke. And it's very clear that Dennis Freena just doesn't give a shit about it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you you can always argue this sort of like, even if you're telling it in the context of it being like bad, you're still telling it, like you're still the one bringing it to the party. Like, you know, th there's there's that whole sort of... Oh, uh, for sure. That's you know, why it wouldn't be in a movie today. But... Yeah, right, right, right. But, I, um, I, but at least it wasn't like, that's the joke we're all making together. Right. <laughs> There was Wait, nothing more cringe-inducing for me than watching Stanley Tucci go to town on Sofia Vergara's feet. No, thank you, Mr. Jerk. I'm very tired tonight. Of course you are, because you work so hard. You're on your feet all day. A woman's feet are very important. Let's have a foot massage. But Mr. Jerk, Mrs. Anna... Oh, it's okay. She's watching television. And I'm not going to tell her that I was here. And you're not going to tell her either. Are you, Nina? Proud peasant arches. Nina, let me clean your toes with my tongue. Yeah, it's, I I mean, it's really interesting. I, I've watched a few things during a pandemic that, that like, I've, I've been binging a bunch of different stuff. There's definitely some stuff that, like, is still intentionally cringeworthy. And I think that this is intentionally cringeworthy, but it's also, like, I, I don't know if I don't know if we would see that today. No, it just it lingers on that that front shot of Tucci like licking in between her toes, and he I each toe. Yeah. One one thing I did notice that he he did do a little bit of technique where he did like the actor's kiss where he doesn't actually like lick between her toes. He picks his tongue like and then puts it in between the V of of her toes. So he's like putting it like in between them, but he's not actually licking them until he actually just puts the whole foot in his mouth. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. But, yeah, but that kind of, like, that kind of ruins the whole. Makes his, he actually makes his way through. He's like, 
actually sort of like faking it, which I thought was admirable. Get <laughs> 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 the point across, but not actually like. I wonder if that was a stunt foot now. <laughs> like, did, did his wife did his wife's foot come into the come into work that day, or did, like was it a double? There'd be some did, awesome trivia. Have enough pull at that point in her career to to get not her foot on camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't. Sophia Vergara, uh, you work for me, and I want to suck your toes. Right. Uh, Will any other uh, sort of of the era stuff stick out to you? I think we covered the the big ones. The um, the thing that, that that I found particularly goofy was the squirt gun that Tim Allen uses at, to, to pretend that he's got a real gun. I don't I have I haven't seen a toy gun colored like a real gun in decades and i don't know when that happened but i remember uh the toy companies i think it was a federal law that you can no longer have toy guns squirt guns that are colored the same way as real guns because of a spate of horrific shootings like cops were gunning kids down i think that like there's definitely an orange tip situation um when they are colored black but also it was weird it did have that comically oversized like super soaker tank on top but it was still like a black Glock. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that's if that's also tied to this particular moment in time, but that's certainly something that we didn't really. I don't really remember. That could definitely be my eleventh thing. Um, one more thing that I that I noticed, which kind of dovetails into something that I, I was generally curious if, if you guys also noticed, uh, the automatic seatbelts. The, the seat belts thing. yeah, yeah, yeah I, had a, well, I had a friend in high school had one of those right yeah i feel like you were like rented a car or somebody who had a car that had those like it feels very like mid 90s to early early aughts was that um, just showing that that was a rental car for them yeah well but or... also also like the usage of it um one of the things yeah i was, I was a film major in school <laughs> one of the things i remember like definitively was talking about like old Charlie Chaplin and like Buster Keaton movies and like the first, the origination of, of comedy in film was this formula of repetition and variation. You establish something, you repeat it, and then you throw a wrench into it. And that's like the easiest, like, like go-to formula for comedy. And you see it all over in, 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 you know, film and, and even in stand up and, and everything. But like this film relies on that formula for its its entirety, like everything. Oh God, yeah. For goats, for the seatbelts, for Gator fans, for I mean, like every every bit of comedy is something where there's a callback to it, the garbage disposal. I mean, like you know what I mean. Like literally, like every every through line of comedy is we establish it as something, and the initial establishment maybe is funny. Like garbage disposal is kind of funny. A goat is kind of funny. The, the seatbelt hitting him in the face is kind of funny, but it's the fact that then they, they repeat it and then they find some way to like, you know, m manipulate it into something different. I um, love, I loved time. having like four different characters say, is that a goat? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, you'd like the Dennis Farina one at the very end, like you don't know if he's going to say it or not. <laughs> like someone else said it like pretty much immediately. And I like, he gave it another like, five or 10 second pause for saying, is that good? Right. Yeah. Were, were there any others? I, I, there were a whole bunch. I was just jotting down where I was like, Oh, like discovery channel. Like they make a, a couple of, you know, references to like seeing stuff on television. I um, was thinking like, yeah, I, I, I could, I couldn't remember when I, I was trying to guess the TV, ch the channel that they would reference. Cause it was like discovery channel, discovery channel, travel channel right, or something like that. Yeah. I was like, that was back before Discovery Channel was just World War II documentaries all day long, and you could actually learn stuff about <laughs> random plants and animals. Right. The uh, the rifle in the golf bag definitely stands out as something that is unthinkable today, because <laughs> Janine Garofalo's character, like, she sees the rifle fall out of the golf bag, and then she just sort of, you know, she she takes part of the mechanism out to make it unusable, but she doesn't do anything else. She know, had so. other. She had bigger fish to fry, so she just took their bolt and. <laughs> I, that, that, that's actually a slight variation on on the sort of joke uh, um, formulation that I was talking about, which I noticed like 
you know, he falls down and the, the rifle falls out of the bag with all the clubs in front of like a random old couple. And he, the, he turns to them and goes, we play with a guy that cheats. <laughs> and then later in the movie, when they're in the bar uh, and there's the metal baseball bat for like no reason in the bar, the bartender says, we sponsor girls softball team. And it's like, it, that's like a, a different version of like, yeah, oh, this, it's like we have this weapon here, <laughs> like some, yep. some like really bad excuse for like, oh yeah, well, clearly we use this for, you know, whatever we use it for. But like, <laughs> here's this random excuse for why we have it. about why you like this movie we've gone through some of the time and era references uh let's let's get into the characters I, matt we'll start with you and and then we'll you know feel free to jump in here uh which which character sort of improved the most you know over time from from when you when you first saw this and maybe which one kind of sank the most in your eyes you know i i it's not that I don't know if anyone necessarily improved in my eyes, except I think I appreciate Stanley Tucci's performance a little bit more um, as time goes on, um, especially like, you know, him in the wig, him fixing the, himself a drink with the cops there talking about how it's his house and just his delivery. And he really like, he really sells that, that um, Arthur Kirk as you know as exactly who he is a you know uh someone who's skimming who's works in a sort of corrupt corruption co construction business uh who would be exactly the type of person that they'd want to put a hit out on to keep him from turning evidence against them uh i think that you know he's just like such a great actor and you know everyone else sort of fills their roles but he it's clear like he's He's really uh, out acting everyone, <laughs> and like yeah. not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, he hams it up so much; it's perfect. Um, in terms of like maybe which characters sank the most, I think that like I just don't enjoy the Tom Sizemore, Johnny Knoxville bits as much as I used to. Um, they each have a couple like memorable lines. Um, I love Family Smith. I love like there's little there's little parts of it, but I just kind of like I didn't need uh, I didn't need as much of the like I I think the one scene that I could do without is when they keep hitting him in the face with the keys and then dropping it on and then dropping the keys because they're wearing the pantyhose over their head. It was like almost everything in this movie feel felt like believable in some sort of wacky sense, but it's like they would be so dumb as to just like keep totally black pantyhose over their head and then keep getting hit in the head with stuff because they, they, they couldn't see it coming. Like, that part to me just felt like, you know, when you see people make, like, a, the, obviously the worst decision and then keep making that over and over again um, and not due to other circumstances, but just so that the movie can have something dumb in it. I think that that, that really didn't age well for me. Um, yeah, I think I agree with all of that. And what annoyed me the most other than some of that Sizemore Knoxville stuff was Tim Allen becoming action man at the end like I didn't have I didn't have a reason to assume that Tim Allen's character would turn into action man um, I don't know exactly why he turned into action man the I know that he's you know got the hots for Rene Russo and obviously they want to pursue a relationship blah 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 she's getting divorced all that stuff but just this miami herald columnist running out onto the tarmac to chase a plane and manage to get on take out two admittedly really stupid criminals and then save the day uh, eh, <laughs> i don't know i didn't really buy it didn't really work for me yeah, um ostensibly he's supposed to be trying to like impress his son and like repair his relationship with his son that's like i think supposed to be the impetus behind i think that. so yeah yeah but like 
but yeah, it almost feels like there was like maybe two or three scenes that could have built that relationship more than just like that really sort of awkward, like him being immature with him in the Kia, like driving around yeah. or whatever, driving around. Uh, like, like that's the only scene where we really see like, Oh, they have a strained relationship and he like, clearly wants his son to respect him but he doesn't because he drives a geo like yeah the kid just comes off as a dick in the beginning and then you know there's the prank that results in everybody being at the house at the same time um but then again yeah and then tim allen's running on the tarmac to save the world i mean if it was if he had done something sort of clever because he's a columnist right that's his, that's tim allen's whole yeah thing. if he had done something clever to uh sort out the situation and prevent the the bomb from going off anything other than action man i think it would have worked a lot better yeah i uh i I, i'm kind of with with both you guys in terms of like i don't i don't remember i mean well i know you hadn't seen this before i've i saw this you know a long time ago i feel like i remember knoxville and, and sizemore's sort of shtick being funnier and like it just it it's it's just very cheap, you know, it, like it's all slapstick and you know, Knoxville feels like wasted in that role. Like they don't, like, they don't really take advantage of what he's like funny and good at in, in any way. Yeah, they really nailed it though when they were doing the arrivals on the departures. Yeah, right. That's probably like, his best things like that role. Like that, that, like... And again, that's that recurring comedy bit, right? Where they like bring that back again and, you know. And it, it was like very real, real for me because I've definitely been driving in a ramp towards an airport and then being like this 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 one or uh, yeah or oh yeah yeah like it you know it takes like just a half second like in your brain but like i've definitely had that like stutter where i'm like oh yeah i should go to the right yeah the brain farts everybody gets brain farts but it was like it was like that was like one i instantly related to i just was like oh i've totally been there like at the airport you have to make a decision quick you have to go right or left and it's like, oh, of course, like probably everyone has done that at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, you know, Will, um, to your point about Tim Allen, he's just he's kind of a weird protagonist. Like he is technically the protagonist, and we talked about this when we when we did this the first time through when we originally recorded this episode about mm-hmm. how there's this sort of weird false start at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, where Jason Lee is like oh, I'm going to be the narrator and I'm going to sort of guide you through this, except I can't because this story is actually not about me. It's about Tim Allen. And so you get like this like bizarre sort of 90 second like vignette of like Puggy as seeming to be the one to like guide you through the movie, but then suddenly it's not him. And I, I, I don't know. It, like, I think that if there's like a fundamental early error in terms of setting up who is the protagonist of this movie and like who is the narrator of this movie and who's seeing who's telling us this story like that that weird sort of double start of like was it puggy or or is it this advertising guy <laughs> like like yeah like, it leads to like a disjointed feeling in the narrative um that's probably the movie's biggest flaw for me is looking for reasons for all the characters to be doing different things I mean, as far as I can tell, Sofia Vergara's character falls in love with Puggy because he looks like Jesus, and she's very religious. But that runs through the entire he movie. Also saved, he also saved her from those criminals. And, yeah. You know, he got her into the tree when she was knocked out. I think that, like, you know, there's a little, there's a little bit more there than him just like looking like Jesus. But yeah, that was, I mean, it's funny. it's bit. Like like a lot of things. I mean, this is a very like I don't know what the runtime is on this movie, but I'm assuming it's like it's tight. It's like ninety minutes. 90 minutes. <laughs> like it's it's yeah it's it's very it's very quick and like so the character development in a big ensemble cast is like gonna be a little thin, um, but yeah that their relationship feels pretty thinly drawn. The stuff with the toad remains amazing though, I will say that. Yeah, and you know I, I think you know in terms of like. We're talking about things that like clearly did did not hold up over time. Martha Stewart, man, of of somebody to remain extremely culturally relevant nearly twenty years later, like that whole thing is still is still plays. I think almost current in terms of like her being this ubiquitous lifestyle icon. Or yeah, it's good. It's good. 
yeah, I mean, she's she's still that that could that part could get made today, and it would make total sense. It wouldn't need to be like updated to Rachel Ray or anyone else that like maybe is more new or recent. Um, she's exactly like the same place culturally. Like I think that was before insider trading, but yeah, I'm sure. Well, she and, clearly rehabbed her image to the point where that that's a flip in our memory. Something I, I didn't notice until I watched the high def version, like the mot current like high def Amazon version, was how sweaty people are in this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of sweatiness happening. Well, especially yeah, yeah, that's the, my... the client, right? The client who who becomes a, a repeated gag. Yeah. Uh, in that in that opening scene the girl's in bikini she has big tits they're on a boat getting shit-faced drinking fish hook ale the girl has really big tits oh and uh, both both andy's andy's richter <laughs> yep yep uh well I, I was gonna say i could just go back to martha stewart for a second that talking about sort of the uh there this is one of those like little attention to detail things that i had definitely missed until this watch um when we see puggy's puggy back in boston in his little cardboard box in boston he is reading martha stewart living like oh i didn't notice that well right i didn't notice it either and then and then we see renee russo reading it while she's watching martha stewart on tv like there are multiple sort of like injections of the martha stewart brand before we even get to her being on tv and then becoming the hallucination uh of stanley <laughs> but but right i mean like 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 they do a good job of like sort of interlacing you know a lot of a lot of references uh to her throughout the sort of setup for that let's talk about the soundtrack um how much did you guys even even notice the soundtrack how, how much how much did uh, were you paying attention to it sort of as we were going um what i noticed definitely was that there was a lot of like like filler music there was a lot of like um like latin music but without words there was a lot of like sort of soundtrack without it being like you know pop songs or like other things and then i think i know there was like a there was a latin song with words um at some point early on but i think that in the air tonight was the first like pop hit that they like incorporated and it was like a really that that to me was like that was like a sign that like they like they really wanted like you to feel that moment um i think that um they didn't play as much of big trouble by heavy d as maybe he wished um is <laughs> this was going to be like his men in black or his wild wild west um you know he definitely didn't have the like star power that a will smith would have had to like pump his song and music career um with a movie like this but we'll never know because like you said it grossed three million at the box office unlike <laughs> 300 um you know like that you know that that clearly would have been an opportunity that's a, a barry sondheim classic <laughs> song with movie song with the title of the movie um featuring in the third act Will, do you notice anything about the about the soundtrack? I actually, when it was when the credits were rolling, and I was just double checking all the names and the character names, I it struck me how little I noticed the soundtrack because that was the first time it was just music and no chatter, no jokes, and I was like, oh yeah, there's a soundtrack, and that's the thing we got to talk about, and I didn't notice like anything over the course of the movie. There's just that like sort of I feel like it repeats throughout in a couple of spots like did did it do did yeah the sort of whimsical it, it, it almost like, reminds me of music. the rest of development um yeah a little bit yeah but to your to your point too matt that sort of uh latin like like there's not a whole lot that gives away that it's miami like they, they make a lot of florida references but like it's not like super obvious that it's miami just in terms of like the setting yeah uh, the, they have tim allen and renee russo walk on like a very clearly Miami beach while they're talking in one scene, everyone's like sweaty. Um, and they talk about Florida stuff, but you're right. Like it's not, it's not explicitly, um, Florida. Are there, are there any like aerial shots of Miami in the movie? 
I don't recall really even seeing like the skyline or yeah thing. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of establishing anything. Like like we see the biggest state that he that Stanley Tucci lives in, but like that's also not clearly Miami. You know, I mean it's it has Yeah, a lot of it's indoors. A lot yeah. of it we're starting in his advertising office. We're start we're in this we're in the Joe Stone Crab. We're in people's cars, but they're not but they're driving at night a lot. Um we're in a bar that's we can see that it's like near like docks maybe or something, but it there's not like they don't pull out and show you its right relation to the, the city, big city. Yeah. For what it's worth, the movie was actually filmed in Florida. So uh, <laughs> for for whatever it, it did not give away in terms of, of those uh, more traditional sort of uh, uh, shots, it, I, it was actually filmed on location as it were. Yeah, I know they actually filmed inside the Miami Herald. which is Oh, cool. really? Yeah. That's cool. Probably a probably a Dave Barry poll there. I think that's literally what it was. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, moving along here through our through our, our bits, I anything that you guys noticed that was like a, a glaring plot hole, continuity error, uh, anything like that, that that you didn't notice the first time around? Uh, just just in general, like the bomb in a suitcase getting dragged all over town. Get more and more people getting added to this without like more cops getting pulled in. You know, twenty people at that house in that like sort of hostage situation. But what really what caught me the most was when they're at the house and they need money for something, and then Arthur Herc gives them like five thousand dollars cash that he has in his pocket, and he had that when he was at the bar the first time, and he probably could have given that to them before they ever got the bomb. And they would have just left with the five thousand dollars and been happy. Like they yeah, just got like they just got like they got like two dollar bills out of the out of the bar. They got eighteen dollars out of the like bar owner's rest wallet. And then Stanley's Tucci's wallet was empty, but he had five grand just sitting there, and he could have just said, "Here, take this and go." They probably <laughs> would have left. It almost was like a missing scene or something that was cut that like that would have tied that together or something. Yeah, I mean it. I, oh, one thing I thought was funny just on that note with the cash is that I thought it was really funny how he, he bought Stanley like dollars in like twenties so it could fill a giant briefcase, <laughs> or uh, you know the the like the the bribery money was was just like uh, inf- inflated in a visual way. Yeah, we always see that in hundreds and like yeah, it's <laughs> and then it'd be like <laughs> right. Uh, any any clear uh, uh, errors for you, Will? Yeah, when uh, Tim Allen gets coffee spilled on him that necessitates his reason to to uh, go to the kitchen, it's water. It's like very clearly water. Yep, that's <laughs> I, I the, well the whole the whole thing where, where where Renee Russo comes to his office and where he he gets her coffee and then they're spilling it all around the office. It's like very very obviously water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was mine too. Uh, a- a- anything else uh, on your list? Uh, no. Matt, Although you know, I, I did, I did appreciate that the uh, the front of Tim Allen's car after hitting the goat does have a giant dent in it. Yeah, I mean, I I think like this movie did a pretty good job of tying up loose ends or sort of staying, you know, um, staying continuous. Not, you know, there's not really a ton of plot holes other than it's just ridiculous story. <laughs> but, but you know, it's funny for as ridiculous as it is, they they do like clearly like they, they noticed stuff like like having Tom Sizemore shoot out the cop radio like in the car so that he can't call in for backup right away. Like I mean, that's that's yeah. something somebody would have noticed, and like they thought well enough that even this idiot, you know, Tom Sizemore shoots out the radio so that that's it's you know unusable. It is kind of again. It, it does seem kind of funny how dependent on that landline those those big plot moments are. Because if if they had cell phones or if cell phones were as ubiquitous in two thousand one as they are now, that that would not have worked. Well, and that was right in that in that moment too. I mean, like I yeah. I, I we got I got a cell phone my freshman year of college, which was like spring of 02. 
uh and like nobody really had them before like fall of 01 like it wasn't like everybody had them like there were cell phones but you didn't have the sort of widespread cell phones and so like between the time when they filmed this and then the time when it actually came out especially with the extra seven or eight month kick like it's that that whole world changed right right yeah the consumer market literally changed i i remember and i I can't remember if i mentioned this when we first uh you know did this run through but um the the thing that that i i really remember when when going back and watching this again like a year and change ago was uh the movie miss sloan which i don't know if you guys saw but like no i haven't seen it it's it's a political sort of drama and it came out like the week after the 2016 election and it like very clearly sort of had it in mind of like there was going to be the first woman president and the mm. idea that like if you it's sort of the crux of the movie is oh someone did something corrupt and all you had to do was like prove that it was corrupt and that was enough and obviously everything was going to work out and they were going to be held to account for that and like like oh, birthed into this world that completely did not exist anymore that was completely different than than the one that it had imagined when when it was written and then shot and and i just remember this thought of like oh right like this movie belongs in an alternate universe <laughs> the same <laughs> belongs to something that that was not our reality once once it came out in april of 2002 yeah i, I guess the only other thing that really that did stand out because they don't i don't think they ever mentioned uh the name of the president even though they keep making these references to homeland security and stuff but it is funny when um heavy d and and omar epps are like congratulating tim allen they can't give him a medal because they have to pretend that this order doesn't exist and the president can't acknowledge it but he will be getting some cowboy boots and a hat with the w on it yep (laughs) (laughs) yeah that uh i wonder if that line got rewritten somewhere along the way yeah (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I, I had that in my notes too. Let's let's venture into imagination land here. What what <laughs> to to each of these characters uh, and the world in the intervening uh, almost twenty years now uh, up to present day are do do we think uh, are, are Tim Allen and, and Renee Russo still together? Are you know are the kids you know did they date? Like what 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 happened? Uh, where is where is Arthur Herks? Uh, <laughs> present at, at this point uh is he, is he out of prison yet like what's 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 going on with, with everybody uh in 2021 i think arthur herc um is institutionalized after getting repeatedly overdosed on toad cytokinolics <laughs> um, if not he's dead or in jail um at that point maybe witness protection somewhere depending on how big this fraud uh development fraud case was um I don't know. Maybe maybe Tim Allen and Russo still together. But that wouldn't wouldn't work out. A little weird for Zoe and Ben to be dating through that. But uh, they've all started dating at the same time. I guess it's not as weird as a (laughs) than if you um, met your your parent your parents' other kid and then start dating. So. Um, I don't know. I think I'd be very, very interested in seeing the environmental studies being done off of Miami to determine the damage caused to ocean life from a nuclear bomb going off. I was, I was just thinking that 
if they saw they did not fly very far from Miami when that went down. Nope. Um, if there really was that mushroom cloud um, visible, uh, maybe we would have had the TSA after that if we wouldn't have been. Um, in a world where a, where that that just happened, we might have created the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, yeah. Spawn that yeah. near mid. That checks out. Oh, who knows? Maybe we would have actually started, you know, moving people out of Miami now instead of 30 years from now when it's completely underwater. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like uh, the, the adults, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they make it 20 years, but I feel like they've got a better long term chance uh, that relationship than the kids relationship. Uh, they're uh, just high school kids. And, you know, uh, I'm sure that'd be awkward once their parents were dating. But uh, um I I I want to I kind of want to know what happens with with Puggy and <laughs> like what, what happens with that relationship? <laughs> that, oh yeah. Uh, where where do either of them go from there? Does Does Nina win a a sexual harassment lawsuit? <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, she she cash yeah, out. Yeah, I was gonna say like she, yeah, I was gonna say she's out of work and he's out of a tree, but definitely if she could get um, some sort of settlement out of out of that situation that could be could be a good good road ahead for the both of them uh matt uh as as a fellow gaucho uh i'm gonna kick gaucho watch to you this is the uh self-indulgent bit where we see if anybody involved with the film has any connection to uh my and in this case our alma mater uc santa barbara uh what did you figure out for this movie uh we have one degree from this movie uh, Dennis Farina's niece went to UCSB at the same time as us and she, she was a freshman when we were seniors and so she graduated a few years after us but um, we overlapped for about a year with her I, I won't make you say her name on the air but I'm curious to know if we, if we had knew her at all uh, she was uh, actually uh, she's actually friends, friends with my uh, wife Yeah, oh, there uh, you go. so knew her knew her quite well and I was like, same, same Dennis, same Farina, Dennis Farina, yeah. And we were, she was in LA uh, when he passed. It's pretty sad. Um, yeah, big Chicago family. Sure, as as the Italians in Chicago are. Uh, all right. So, the, this this movie barely got made when it got made. <laughs> barely got released when it got made. Uh, could this movie get made today? I think, I think, uh, yeah, most mostly it could. You had the right, right, right script. Um, obviously, the bomb and the plane thing. Uh, maybe not. Um, I don't know who is there. Anyone in our in the culture right now who's like Dave Barry esque? Do we have like nationally syndicated? sort of like humorous that would like be able to carry a you know a sort of wacky plot like this right now i mean the, the person that sticks out to me uh and i don't know if she's well known enough at this point but is alexandra petrie from uh, the washington post yeah like like i feel like i feel like she writes the kind of over-the-top satire I just I I don't know if that translates to screen like like it would have to be so bang you over the head like over the top like this is a joke right we all get that this is a joke like I'm making fun of this because like I feel like everything right now that's it's just there's there's so there's so many people who don't understand when when you're when you're being you know, when you're trying to, to make fun of things and, and anything with terrorism, I mean, you're just going to have to be, it would just like, you'd either have to go a completely different direction or you'd have to be so ridiculously over the top and almost, you know, fourth wall breaky to like sell it to to the audience that, you know, if you're, unless you're talking about something like, like in the Borat universe, you know, yeah. <laughs> It's, it, yeah, it's like more that. like slapstick and like dad jokey, but in terms of like, um, you know, like a sort of a semi biographical or something, I think like the Anna Delvey story or the like 
Zola story, those kind of like sort of like involvement like with journalism and then things gone like really off the rails. Um, you know, that kind of thing could be that could that kind of thing could like maybe would be maybe made today and would be sort of filling the same uh, void, but not necessarily like the exact same. I mean, I guess what what a, what a other big ensemble comedies are like a lot of them are like attached to previous other properties like i think there's like you know parks there's like par- there's like parks and rec special that they did well um, uh what about knives out knives out is a, is a huge uh cast of well-known folks doing like a, a, a comedy yeah, it's funny. I actually thought about that like right right before you said that. Uh, it's you know it's not strictly comedy, but it is obviously it obviously has comedic elements to it. Um, yeah, and it's a little parts of it are like very clearly over the top, but it's but it's still sort of grounded in some kind of reality. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for ensemble comedies, or at least films with enough comedy in them to you know to be thought of as comedies even if they're not strictly you know comedies um and like whimsical crime capers are probably never going to go out of style i'm sure there's gonna be like an ebb and flow to when they're popular versus when they're just like less popular um but you know another one that snaps to mind is uh snatch you know that was just sort of the british version of a wacky crime caper um i think there's always going to be room for those kinds of movies well, and of course that connects the dust for in a through line and, uh, and, but that, oh, was, yeah. <laughs> that was of that era too. I mean, that was, that was very much of this early aughts. Like, like it might, might've been within a year, you know, release date wise. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it's been a, it's been a bit since we've had, you know, original kind of movies in the, in, in that vein. I, and part of it, I think, you know, we talked about how many stars are in this. It's tough to get so many people who who have it's just money wise, right? To like, yeah. Anyone who's famous now is a twenty million dollar picture actor, and it's like, like I remember the Community cast talking about, oh, are we ever going to actually make the movie that that they've talked about making? And they're like, sure, as long as someone has twenty million dollars to give Donald Glover, because like everybody else, they could probably get <laughs> you know, relatively cheap, all things considered. But like right good luck booking donald glover at this point because like that's the problem with the star system is it's just if you made big trouble today just based on the cast alone you know the budget would be three four times what it is uh all right uh before we get we get to the the final thing anybody else have any other any other notes any other things uh that that we missed that that you want to talk about um i just i just wanted to say again for the record that i love the unrelenting skewering of the gator fans um, and the talk radio, um, ubiquitousness, um, and then the uh, just the cherry on top with the plane, uh, them stuck on the plane at the end. Yeah, as a, a you know, I, as a sports writer, uh, the <laughs> as a sports writer who does not listen to sports talk radio and has not listened to sports talk radio since I was in high school because it's the worst form of like media that exists. It's just the most <laughs> thing. Uh, it's. I, that was something that I hadn't really remembered uh, from watching it the, the first time around. Like, I'm sure that I recognized it like at the time, but having gone through, you know, working in this field for 15 or 20 years, uh, I, that was definitely something that, that I, I very much appreciated uh, making fun of how literally every time they turned on the radio, the exact same conversation was happening and it had gone no further than it had the last time that they were listening. Uh, Cause that is as realistic as anything else in this movie um all right so we're we're at the end we've we we, we've been through the 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 full review here uh matt i i I will start with you will i I know you hadn't seen this uh before uh the original recording um matt we got to answer the the all-important question do you still like this movie uh actually i still love this movie i i've seen it maybe 20 times now and it still mostly holds up. There's a little would change, but even though I know it, it's it's comfort food for me. It's this perfect like time capsule. It sort of takes me back to feeling like I was in college again, but it doesn't seem like uh, 
as dumb and outdated as some of those other movies that I liked when I was 18 or 19. Even though it is silly, it's still like it. It's like watching the first season of Arrested Development, uh, you know, where you it has just you know great re, great rewatch value in terms of you know even though you know the jokes that are coming, you know, you maybe get it a little differently the second time and you know like it's also tight it's not you know not an hour it's barely an hour and a half and it doesn't like crush your evening it's not like sitting down for three hours and you know there's never never a point which it feels like a slog um it's always fun to see an actor who's maybe gotten bigger since the last time you watched it uh, it's fun to see you know like sofia vergara like in one of her first roles and then see how different she is, like, you know, her character on Modern Family. Uh, just get to see Andy Richter, you know, play two different characters. And, you know, having seen his career trajectory um, over, you know, the last 20 years. Um, you know, Patrick Warburton and all those other people, too. Just, like, you know, a lot of little shining gems. And obviously, like, you know, Stanley Tucci's awesome. And so I think, you know, maybe, except for the fact that it, Tim Allen's not that great of a human being, uh, off screen, <laughs> he still kicks. He still does a great job with this specific role. Um, if you were to separate the art from the artist, <laughs> well, well, what about you? I think it's a fun, quirky little comedy. I mean, I I don't have any memories of it. I didn't know it existed before our initial watch of it. Um, there are definitely some things that I would change. Uh, little tiny improvements here and there, but overall, I think it's fun. It's a fine, fun comedy. Yeah, I remember. So when Matt had originally introduced it to me, I was like, "Really? Like, what is this that you're showing me?" And and so like it it had exceeded expectations at the time, um, and it's it's still it's still an easy watch. Uh, you know, it's something it's something that like I feel like like of of the good movies of that sort of era. And by that era, I mean the sort of, we'll call it like late nineties to early aughts era, you know, movies like tin cup and stuff like you could, you could throw it on in the background and like, you don't have to be fully invested in it to, and, and you can kind of check in and check out where like, you're not, you're not going to miss too much. And, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's quick. Uh, yeah. We've talked about the runtime. It's an hour and 25 minutes. So you don't get a lot of 85 minute movies. anymore. <laughs> uh, it, but yeah, it's, it, it, it does check a lot of boxes and it, and it is fun, especially now, I think to look back at, like, we didn't know who Zoe Deschanel was when we were in college. <laughs> like, 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 it was like, she wasn't famous. Like, the, yeah. and it's funny to like, be like, Oh my God, like that's this person. That's that person. Uh, it, it really is just, like every role is somebody, you know, arguably, you know, fairly A-list. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's even now having gone back and watched it again for a uh, second time in, in however long it's been. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still really enjoyable. And uh, for those of you out there who haven't watched it and want to watch it, uh, it is not included in any streaming options right now, but you can find it on iTunes or YouTube or, Amazon for a few bucks if you if you want to rent it. Uh it is it is available. Um don't confuse it with Big Trouble in Little China. Um, which is also wonderful. Right, which is a whole other movie and a very, very and there's also like a big trouble from the forties, but unrelated. Yeah. I actually had a I have a follow-up question for you guys. Yeah. So comedies have a habit, I think, more so than some other um genres of aging really terribly like we 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 have, that's been the crux of our conversation um this i think and i think we all agree this mostly holds up like there's a few things that are kind of like eh, stay away from that like the joke about the jaguar and stuff but i think that films like the hangover are not going to age as well as something like this because this this doesn't like quote unquote play it safe, but it's also not fixated on the gross out humor. Like I can't imagine how the Hangover would would go today. Yeah, I mean it's it's fairly I don't want to say like clean, but it's pretty um, it's sanitized. I mean it's like a Dave Barry column. It's like yeah, it's it's sort of timeless. There's not like a lot of 
like I guess Martha Stewart is a current cultural reference, uh, but it doesn't like tie itself to other things like like The Hangover has so many like like the you know the Mike Tyson bits and the like the strip and how that you know is constantly evolving and changing. So you know like that dates it a lot more. Um, I think you're I think you're right in terms of like this being able to sort of hold up as sort of its own. It's almost it's like a own little um, pure like dad joke time capsule. <laughs> yeah. Like so like it'll like a pun will never not be punny if it's if it's delivered well. Um, if it, it'll never be more than a pun in the moment, uh, but it won't. <laughs> but it will never degrade either. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, I, I would love for somebody to bring the hangover to this podcast because I think it would be fascinating to look at now. Uh, that was a movie that I was highly recommended by a friend of mine who I generally trust uh, on, on movies. And I didn't really enjoy it particularly when I saw it in the theater. I was kind of... Uh, like I off. saw it in the theater and I definitely enjoyed it in the theater, but it was like a packed house and it would it would have been hard to not enjoy it in that setting. I don't know if I would have watched it like by myself on a laptop. Um, I, I, I saw there. it like a couple months after it came out. It was not that setting at all. Um, yeah. And and I remember I remember being kind of like, eh, okay, like, but to, you know, to to what you're saying, well, like, I mean, it goes for so much shock value, and shock value is one of those things that like really depends on on the moment. Um, yeah. I it, it also reminded me of something really interesting, which I don't know if you guys have watched Ted Lasso uh during quarantine uh highly recommend ted lasso if you it is on the top of my list it is uh is very well written it is it shouldn't be as good as it is but it (laughs) is uh and i after you watch it go look up the pilot episode which is online you can find it um it is almost entirely kept in but there's like three jokes that they cut and all three jokes that they cut were really good decisions to cut. They were jokes where they tried to go for something edgy that would look dumb if, you know, either six months from now or whatever, but like they were, they were hangover jokes. If, if it makes sense like that, yeah, okay. the first thing I thought of was like, somebody made a really good call on, on mixing these because maybe they'll score a cheap laugh now, but these will not hold up. They will not be good jokes that will, that will like, sustain where everything else within it works it's it plays off of you know human emotion that is always true and interactions and awkwardness that's always true but these other ones are are these sort of like cheap shot attempts at humor and and that's that's the thing is like there's other than other than than the jaguar and other than like maybe one or two other little things in there you know you mentioned like the keys like kind of being a like it doesn't really land as like a repetitive you know joke most of the stuff holds up it's most of the stuff is funny it's it's basic human interaction stuff that that is always going to be true on some level and yeah. um, you know credit where it's due I and mean, that's like as i brought up earlier it's the sort of the the old buster keaton like formula for comedy of this sort of repetition and variation and just just driving jokes home and, and having fun with the audience and winking and and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of that stuff works regardless of the era and regardless of the spe- the specifics of the jokes. I think that like the Dennis Farina scene with the cigars and the steak and crab restaurant, um, like you just can't beat the like, you know, the the polite over politeness of a guy that you know is a hitman. Uh, <laughs> yeah. to, this guy being a, just a total jackass to him and not realizing who he's talking to. And the second that his hand grabs his fingers, like the guys all put their cigars in their scotches uh, to comply. Uh, Cause they just realized uh, they've made, you know, they've made a wrong, like it's a very, we've made a huge mistake and you can just like see it. And that's just yes. never not funny. Yes. Well, and the people who get punished are the people who deserve it. Right. I mean, like Stanley Tucci gets punished and, yeah, it's generally a just world. Right. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen, uh, thank you so much for, for making time to, to do this again. Uh, again, this is one of our re-record episodes uh, from, the, from the early going. Um, many thanks to Matt uh, for joining us all the way from the other coast. 
and uh, for bringing us this movie once again. Um, we will be back with uh, episode three. I, I, well, have we decided what episode three is? Wasn't uh, oh oh god, it's either Micho Black or Buffy. Oh, both terrible choices. I don't know. <laughs> oh god, why did you guys do that to yourself? <laughs> Uh, if you uh, enjoyed uh, listening to Matt, feel free to follow him on Twitter at not spam, I promise. And of course, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at like this movie. You can use the hashtag ITILTM, hashtag ITILTM to take part in the conversation. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021.